This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Tom. And this is Tracy Henley. This is your 2020 Great Lakes Traditional Sprint Champion, Michael Adja. This is Tyler Rourke. This is David Melke. This is Travis Stemler. Bobby Santos. Tom Beery. Bill Muskert, Travis Braden. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome into Horsepower Happenings. It's a beautiful Monday evening for November, anyhow. Uh, we've got some stuff going on. We've got some great interviews lined up for tonight. Let's get into it by checking what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Jamie Little, the longtime Fox uh, NASCAR pit reporter, is making history. It was announced today that in 2021, she will be the play-by-play television announcer for the Arkham Menard series. Little is the first woman named as the voice of a national motorsports series. Front Row Motorsports confirmed today that John Hunter Nemechek has left the number 38 Ford Mustang. A statement from Front Row Motorsports noted that Nemechek informed the team he would not be returning to the organization for the 2021 season. Chris Windham, Tyler Courtney, and Tanner Thorson, those are the three that are battling to become the champion of the NOS Energy Drink USAC National Midget Series. And it all comes to an end on Tuesday at the November Classic at the Third Mile Bakersfield Speedway. Ryan Priest drove to the front, pitted, and then did it again. Drove to the front in the fourth annual I Slip 300 at Riverhead Raceway. Priest was inside the top five for the first 195 laps before pitting. He charged back through the field, took the lead back, and drove away in the closing laps. Those things and much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me uh, from the Social Distance Studios. Good evening, Richard. How are you? I'm doing very good, Zach. Social distance now more than ever, right? <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It's crazy, man. But uh, the, just feeling thankful we were able to get our season in for the most part in 2020. Um, and uh, even so, with what's happening up here in the north because of the colder weather, race uh, racing still very strong down south. Yeah, and I caught myself a little bit of uh, pavement racing from New Smyrna uh, this weekend. Uh, shaking off the bad luck from the past few months, George's Bubba Pollard bided his time Sunday afternoon at New Smyrna Speedway, capturing the lead late and winning his first career Florida Governor's Cup 200. The win was an emotionally heavy triumph in honor of New Smyrna legend David Rogers. After taking the lead just before the halfway point from Brad May, uh, Jesse Tatilli seemed to be the driver to beat in the second half of the 55th edition of the Florida Governor's Cup. But when uh, Stephen Nassi slowed Due to a broken alternator belt and brought out a yellow with 60 laps to go, Pollard took his number 26 super late model down pit road for adjustments. Back under the green flag, Pollard went to work finding an opportunity with 40 laps to go and powering past Detilly and on to the victory. It feels good. I may be emotional. It's been uh, tough the last couple of months, Pollard said in victory lane, but we never give up. We've been struggling. I've had a couple of tough weeks. 
and it's part of racing. Adding to the emotion uh, was Pollard also winning his first race at New Smyrna since the passing of Rogers back in March. Uh, Pollard carries the colors and the logo of Rogers' longtime sponsor, TNM Ranch, uh, on the hood of his 26. Daniel Dye, George Gorham, Dottilly, and May would complete the top five. And next up, uh, Zach, the big race calendar for the Super Late Models is a race we've all been waiting for and hoping we can get down there. The 53rd Annual Snowball Derby at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, December 2nd through the 6th. And um, in a little related news, uh, when the when the first look at the Snowball Derby entry list was released on Sunday night, Zach, it only took one minute for race fans on social media to begin asking why Bubba Pollard was entered in a number 71 car. At, this morning, Pollard confirmed on Speed 51's The Morning Bull Ring that he will be driving the TK Racing number 71 super late model for Van Dorn Racing Development, a car that was driven to the Winchester 400 and Redbud 400 wins by Carson Hosevar earlier this season. I can't thank them enough for giving, uh, giving me the opportunity to race at the Derby with Van Dorn Racing Development and Johnny and Butch, said Pollard. Uh, they do a great job. They're hard workers. We put this deal together in a short period of time. I'm very excited about it. Uh, moving forward, there are still many details that need to be ironed out in regards to Pollard's plans with TK Racing. The only thing that Pollard is for certain is that he will be hiding the wheel of the 71 for the Snowball Derby. And Zach, opening night of the Governor's Cup uh, on Saturday, a Michigan driver made a huge statement once again in the Florida Modified 50-lap feature event. Travis Eddy, who was the 2020 World Series of Asphalt Stock Car Racing Modified Champion in February during Speed Weeks at New Smyrna, picked up where he left off and dominated, flat out dominated all 50 laps, and at one point had over a straightaway lead over second place Bill Burba. So congrats to Travis and his team. Once again, an exceptional performance down in the Sunshine State. Yeah, man, what a lot of fun down there in Florida for all those guys. Let's talk dirt just a little bit, shall we? Taking the lead on lap 23, Chris Madden of Graycourt, South Carolina, led the rest of the way, outrunning Tim McCready of Watertown, New York, by over two seconds for a $12,000 payday in the Magnolia State Cotton Pickin' 100 finale at Magnolia Motor Speedway. Billy Moyer Jr. rounded out the podium. Chris Ferguson was fourth, and Tyler Erb completed the top five. And uh, Rich, our buddy, our friend from McClure, Ohio, Rusty Schlank was down there. He didn't do too bad. Came home in seventh spot. So nice run for all those folks. And uh, dirt racing, getting a little few and far between here over the next couple of weeks. So uh, congratulations, though, to uh, to Tim McCready and uh, Chris Madden, who had good runs down there. And Zach, you know, working together is a theme for success in short track racing. And uh, Winchester Speedway is no stranger to that. Further that process, Winchester Speedway is announcing that uh, the Flyover States 150 on Tuesday, May 18th, 2021, is now a co-sanctioned event at West Tour and the ARCA CRA Super Series. The big midweek show will be 150 laps super late model race. More details are expected to be announced in the coming months. The support series and other activities for the prestigious event will be revealed soon as well. And also announcements for monetary and other incentives for both series will also be announced. The event will be an invitational for the Midwest Tour regulars and a points-paying race for the ARCA CRA Super Series. And, uh, and Zach, also expect the release of the entire schedule for Winchester Speedway in 21. 
which will feature the return of USAC, which we found out when we were at Winchester for the Winchester 400, and its first appearance for the also to be unveilable unveiled excuse me in the coming weeks yeah i'm really excited to see what's going to happen down there at winchester uh, such a historic facility and uh, um, anytime you can see a racetrack kind of start to rebuild that rebuilding process kind of going in the right direction uh that's very exciting i don't care who it's for rich um i'm just looking forward to seeing winchester put back on the map obviously the winchester 400 never left the map but that other those other events throughout the season uh, i think it's going to be great for that speedway yeah, it'll be. We always have a fun time. We've gone down there the past couple of years, and and Winchester 400 is a great weekend. They they kind of stepped up the the showmanship this this year. Absolutely. And uh, it, it it was time. Uh, you know, they got Bob Dillner now there promoting, and um, he really wants to bring that racetrack back to its heyday. And um, I thought they had some outstanding. Winchester 400 weekend this year for sure hey we've been having some fun over this past week or so we just launched uh, back on Tuesday our Michigan Outlaw Super Late Models best driver challenge the horsepower happenings best driver challenge on Facebook a lot of people have been playing along rich and we've been having some fun with that um, taking a look at the Outlaw Super Late Model drivers from the Great Lakes region and uh, selecting 12 of the best that we believe and putting them head-to-head. And, man, the fans have been having some fun with this. You know, it's been great. I, I could not believe the involvement. And while we're on this, Zach, over the, since we started this, 2,000 followers on Facebook for Horsepower Happenings. Fantastic. That's outstanding. We're closing in on 2,000 likes as well. So I think we're going to hit that before this, before we have this uh Horsepower, this horsepower happenings uh, late model challenge is over with, uh, but we're getting a lot of involvement. And, and just to review, we had, you know, we kind of kicked things off. Um, you know, Frank Giovanni took on Phil Bozell, and and boy, they're strong out in the west part of the state. They feel really strong about Phil Bozell, and he kind of <laughs> yeah, kind of ran away with that one. Or or Andy Bozell, I'm sorry, that was and Andy Bozell ran away with that one. And then and then we we had Phil Bozell as well, uh, who also took on who took on Craig Everidge. Uh, Bozell's the whole family, very popular on the West side of the state. They'll both be moving on to the second round and we can tease their matchups, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, uh, Andy, Andy Bozell's, Andy Bozell's going to have a tough go of it coming up here. Uh, actually starting, oh my, it's going to start on Wednesday. Uh, Andy Bozell will be back on our play card. Yeah. Andy Bozell, uh, draws the number one seed in the whole tournament, Tyler Roarig. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, I think you know what? Be a good one. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, the Bazell clan comes out in force, but uh, you you cannot the last few years argue with what Tyler Rorick has done. Uh, he, he, nothing less than spectacular in an outlaw late model. So I think that is going to be an outstanding matchup. On the other side of the bracket, we had J.R. Rorick and Adam Terry. That just wrapped up yesterday. Uh, J.R. Rorick. Uh, or excuse me, J- uh, that wrapped up late last week. J.R. Rorig got the win over Adam Terry in that bracket. Um, and then just wrapping up was the, as you said, the Phil Bozell, Craig Everidge. Uh, Phil took the win pretty handily in that one. Now launching tonight is uh, Brian Burgaker versus Harold Fair Jr. in the Best Driver Contest. Um, Rich, these two drivers, um, they've got their their own respective talents and their own respective list of accomplishments. Um, this could be a really interesting matchup. We have them seated at number 6 and number 11 taking on each other, and uh, the winner of that one will take on Jeff Gannis. And by the way, J.R. Rorig will take on Steve Needles coming up next week. Yep, and let's not forget uh, Phil Bozell. Who does he get? 
an up and comer. We'll see. Uh, we'll yeah. see how he into the kid, Kyle Crump. Yeah. So, uh, Kyle. Bill Bozell and Kyle Crump. I think that may be a good. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a good one too. And here's the thing: Kyle Crump actually moved up our rankings thanks to uh, some fan votes on the Horsepower Happenings Facebook page. So uh, Kyle Crump is uh, coming in at a number four seed, taking on Phil Bozell at a number five. So uh, I think that's going to be great. And also we should mention too, Rich, that this is just the beginning. Uh, we're going to try to do this with three other divisions. Dirt fans, don't worry. We are going to take care of you coming up as the winter months kind of roll in here. So uh, the grand finale, by the way, if you're watching the Facebook page, the grand finale will start on Monday, November 30th. So just after Thanksgiving, uh, we'll crown the uh, best driver uh, championship winner what do they get absolutely nothing other than bragging rights that the fans love them the most one and yeah zach we're having a lot of fun with this horsepower happenings driver challenge um coming up we also have best sprint car driver on dirt dirt late model driver we're going to do that uh, through the new year and also template late model on pavement so we have a lot of fun uh for the fans to get involved straight through the new year We'll have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, we're going to, you know, we're trying to fill the void, right? So uh, we're, we're a little bit nervous about the Rumble in Fort Wayne. Nothing official there. We're just nervous about it. We lost the Gateway Dirt Nationals. Attendance has been restricted at the uh, other indoor events that we know of. So we're just kind of trying to fill that void around here um, for the for the racing uh, competition, if you will. So a little friendly competition. And again, um, just all about bragging rights, which is great. We love that. Exactly. And everybody's done a great job. So if you're listening to the show tonight, uh, go log on to Facebook. Uh, Brian Bergacre and Harold Fair Jr. going at it tonight. So uh, go ahead and uh, log on and place your vote for those two drivers. And uh, tomorrow, I guess about eight o'clock tomorrow night, we'll decide who the winner of that match is going to be. All right, Rich, with all of that aside, let's get into if we were doing uh, Flat Rock Toledo driver challenge, uh, this one would be pretty easy <laughs> this one would be pretty yeah. easy uh let's talk about tell us who we've got on the phone this morning yeah this you'd, yeah you'd probably have to make this gentleman a number one seed right out of the gate uh and all i gotta say zach is a few numbers 12 track championships 138 career feature wins uh the only other two in arca racing that that can match that is joy fair and bob stooped uh and this gentleman was uh can't say inducted but it was announced uh he was voted into the michigan motorsports hall of fame Back in July, uh, because of the Hall of Fame was canceled, they'll induct him next year in the 2021 meeting. Uh, Ron Allen, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be back on the show again. Man, talk, we got to talk uh, earlier in the spring uh, before the safety summit. This announcement comes out in the summer. Um, how elated are you? Oh, I'm just thrilled. You know, I remember getting the call. And it was such a surprise and uh, a great honor, you know, just uh, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame just means so much to me. And it was something I was looking forward to and uh, glad it finally happened. We've talked and, you know, when I mentioned those other two names, I mean, you even yourself, you say that's uh, that's an unbelievable group to be mentioned with. Oh, yeah, just, uh, you know, it's one thing to be inducted into the Hall of Fame with these drivers, but just to be in the same conversation with with guys like Fair and Stu, Seneca, Howe, you know, Freddie Campbell, John Anderson, I mean, these are all people that I looked up to 
um, and just wished I could be half as good as they are. So it, it, it's really an honor to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Ron, let's let's back up just a little bit here. Take me back um, how, however many years it's been, and you don't have to put a number on that if you don't want to, but let's <laughs> go back to when this all started for you. Um, did you ever think in your mind that you would be holding records with, with ARCA and inducted into the Hall of Fame at some point? I mean, when did, when did you realize, um, and, and have you realized maybe, what sort of talent you are and uh, that you knew what you were doing behind the wheel of a race car? Well, actually, it all started in my uh, senior year in high school, but way back in 1979, uh, I built my first car. And no, I could have never dreamed in a million years that one, I, I would be having this many wins or even make it into the, to the hall of fame. Um, it, it just, it baffles me because when I first started, if there was a wreck, Ron Allen was in it. So <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it took me time to, to learn. And, and even now, you know, I just, I, I guess maybe I'm humble or something, but I just look at it that, you know, I'm just an average guy. But when I sit and look at the record is when I sit there and go, wow, I did pretty good. When did it all start to come together for you? I mean, what change that went from Ron Allen's in Rex to Ron Allen's in Victory Lane? What What was the difference for you? Well, it, it was just getting more opportunities to race more. Um, and once I started where I was racing a sportsman car, a street stock car, and then moved up into the outlaw cars, the more track time that I did, it just seemed like it helped me. But, you know, I mean, at one point I was racing two, three cars a night, and that just seemed where everything clicked the driving style, the just, it all come together. And Ron, you know, we can, you know, to follow up on that with Zach, you know, it, really, if you look at these numbers, um, you did a, a whole Lions portion uh, really since 2000, 1999 or 2000. So, I mean, up until that point, you had some wins at Flat Rock and the Street Stock in the 90s, auto wins. But really, a lion's share of all of these stats occurred since 2000. Yeah, they really have. Like I said, it took me it took me a while to get going. Uh, but like I said, once it clicked in, just it gave me the confidence that hey, you can win, you can race with these people. And once I got that, then then I just. It never came easy. Wins don't come easy, but uh, it just seemed to click and become a lot easier. So, what was the draw then? Uh, whether it was 1979 or whether it was 2000 or whether it was 2018, what was the draw for you to Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways? Why? Why were those two locations the place that you called home? Well, they're both close to my where I live, but. What got me involved in is my dad used to race years ago. So I've always been around racing and including Flat Rock, Mount Clemens, um, Toledo Speedways. Those were always the three main tracks we went to. So it, it just became natural to 
to start at those racetracks and, and keep right on racing. Was there ever any moment in your career where you thought, you know what, I'm going to branch out a little bit, and maybe you did do this, where you went to some other tracks, uh, maybe across the state or across the region, and tried your hand there? Yeah, I followed the uh, Iceman series when it was around, which was based out of Toledo, Ohio, but we traveled all over, and and that's the only year that, um, until just recently, that I had not had a victory um, at Flat Rock or Toledo Speedway, and that was when I traveled there, and, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, loved the series, loved the traveling, but to travel you need money and you need a crew. So now it's just too hard to, to travel. So we try to stay more local. You know, Ron, I have to, uh, you know, if we just kind of left this here, everybody thought, well, man, it was pretty easy um, throughout your career, at least in the last 20 years. But, uh, you know, we got to bring up a lot of this stuff almost didn't happen. Um, if we go back to 2005 at Toledo Speedway, uh, a very scary night for you that um, that could have went the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, two, 2005 will always stick out in my memory. Uh, yeah, it really could. We made a last-minute decision race. I was racing for uh, another car owner, and Gary and I decided we would go race a main event race, and unfortunately uh, – I got caught up in somebody else's mess and the car flipped over and, and burst into flames. And, you know, I always tell people I'm not a super religious person, but God and my dad who had just passed away in 2004 got me out of that car because it was upside down and, and you, you seen that the flames were just incredible. So I, I really owe a lot to that. Um, and it wakes you up. I'll tell you that to how, how scary and how things could go bad real fast. First and second degree burns, um, on your arms, your face. Um, how long were you in the hospital? How long did it take you to recover? Cause if I remember correct, correctly, uh, you were working real hard to get back in the race car that season. Yep, we did. Uh, I, was in the hospital, I think, just over 30 days in the intensive care burn unit. And um, once I got out of there, um, you know, from laying around, you just can't hardly move. So I, I did work hard, and that was my goal was to get back, to see after an accident like that where you burnt so bad that I could get back into it. And I have to thank ARCA. Um, they allowed me to go to Toledo Speedway whenever I was ready by myself and see if I could still do it, which is something that I really needed to do. Because uh, to this day, I can remember driving into turn one and you could still see where the track had burnt, where my car burnt. So, but once I got past that, then it was like, okay, let's do this again. In fact, we uh, I ended up winning the first night back, which which really showed me that I could still do this. So you were able to get over it fairly quickly. I mean, even to this day, when you drive by that spot, does it 
does it sit in the back of your head at all or or have you moved on from that moment and uh you know just continue to race well i i have moved on but it's always there you always know you always respect and and thankfully that night when it happened, all my safety equipment was brand new that night, new suit, new helmet, everything. So that made a big difference. But, you know, this is all I've done since basically I started full-time 1980. So it's what I do. And I enjoy it so much that I just keep doing it. And you've really, Ron, you've really also to just to finish up on this topic. Um, I know you've taken a negative for you and made it a positive because I know over the years since then, I've seen you talking to guys in the pit area, um, to groups of people about safety and how important it is. Yeah, just, just like the last time that, you know, when I was on the show, you know, I did the safety seminar up at Lane Automotive. I do. I, I, you know, you have to, because I know how bad I got burnt and how, how, how it felt. So I do like to go talk to guys, you know, and, and I cringe when I see anybody that has an open face helmet on, uh, it was something we didn't even think about years ago, but now, you know, it's something, I mean, I wouldn't be here talking if I had an open face helmet, I can guarantee you that. So I, I do like to talk to them and talk to the new people and and just tell them you you think it can't happen or it won't happen. Well, I can tell you it can and it may. So think about that. Think about the safety stuff and and anything I can do to help people with safety stuff. I talk to people about their seats, how they're in there, how they're not, quick you can get out putting seatbelts in a certain way, you know, all that stuff adds up. You know, when you're in a situation, it's count because you don't have a minute. It's just seconds. Well, Ron, let's go back to talking about your career a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned that until recently you'd went, um, other than that season with, with the Iceman Series, you'd went without, uh, you know, having a winless season. What's left for you on the uh, Ron Allen accomplishments or uh, Ron Allen bucket list, I guess we'll call it? Um, you've got all these records with ARCA. You've got um, the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame now. Is there anything left for you that you want to accomplish uh, in your racing career? Well, there always is. Uh, one race that's frustrated me that I never got a chance to win. We uh, finished top five a bunch of times with a bunch of good cars, but I've never got the win for the Glass City 200 when it was still 200 laps for the Outlaw. That one, you know, I just got to chalk it up now that we just didn't do it, but my biggest thing anymore is, I don't know if there's really a, but it's just let's keep going and having fun. And as long as I can have fun and be competitive, be going. When I'm no longer having fun or being competitive, that's when I'll hang it up and move on to something else. Well, you know, Ron, what I enjoy, um, you know, I had enough over the years of looking out the windshield and away. So, I mean, <laughs> 
that 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 was uh, I mean that that was an honor for me now that say I you know I raced with Ron Allen a, Mo a Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer and and pretty good with you and I enjoyed that but what I enjoy now is we got to see each other at Winchester and we raced for fifteen or twenty minutes uh, that's fun these days. Oh, most definitely. You know, I, I'm I'm a race fan, so if I can, I still go to a lot of tracks. I, I still watch racing. Um, and, and yeah, there's. I remember guys, you know, Harold Cook and Fair and all them guys telling me stories back when I was just getting into it, and and now you know it's it's a little bit of my turn you know we we've all got those stories that we can talk about for hours and hours and and that is, that is fun that is something that when i quit I, i'm sure every time we're at a racetrack i run into somebody I'm down and and bench race just like that well, Ron, again, congratulations on the induction of the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame. Um, and, and as we said, what a great class to go in with. Um, so, so great job on that. Congratulations. What, what, what is, uh, what's on the horizon for you, I guess? Uh, you know, 2020, unfortunately, was a wash for the most part. Um, what does 2021 hopefully look like for you? I mean, how, how much longer do you think you're going to keep doing this? Well, uh, I... I plans locked in stone we're we're coming back to fly rock we're coming back to Toledo. one car two cars nothing for sure um and, and like i said the big thing as long as i'm competitive and i'm having fun who knows you know red farmer's still going and we know he's <laughs> old so, so as long as i can keep doing that i plan on keep racing all right. Well, hey, Ron, uh, congratulations again, man. Rich, did you have a final comment there? No, I, yeah, I just wanted to back it up. We had had a conversation, and, and, and I asked him about 200, and he said, I don't think I got that in me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't. To, to get all the way up to 200, I'd, I'd be racing a long, long time. You know, if, if it was back in the day when we were racing two and two nights every single week, um that number, who knows, it may be happen, but we just don't race that often anymore. So that that's going to be out of my reach. Well, Ron, man, again, congratulations. Uh, great, great career, great success. And uh, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, what you can accomplish here over the next few years. I don't know, Rich, I don't think he's done. I think he's going to keep going to victory lane here. No, he, uh, uh, every, the more I talk to him, he says, I don't know, you know, you, this, you know, last year, he, he, you know, probably he'll admit probably 2019 wasn't his best year. Um, and obviously 2020 was a wash. So, uh, you know, I, I think maybe maybe something in Ron Allen's mind wants to bring him back in 2021 and um, show what he can do again. Absolutely. Well, Ron, again, thanks so much for joining us tonight and uh, congratulations. We'll ho hopefully talk to you soon. All righty. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, Rich, uh, before we move on, just another reminder about our Best Driver Challenge on Facebook. The post is up. Uh, the current one is Brian Bergacre taking on Harold Fair, uh, a couple of uh, great drivers in their own respective rights. And uh, I don't know, I kind of feel bad about Ron Allen now. I feel like maybe we should do a Flat Rock Toledo Street Stock Driver thing, and, and maybe we can get Rich France in on that too. Well, well, that would be pretty embarrassing. Rich France will go out in the first <laughs> round, let me tell you, okay? But... Uh, 
no, it, it was great. It was great talking to Ron. You know, we, we had asked what was going to be what we were going to use to decide. And we decided the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, Ron Allen really hadn't been in an outlaw late model the last couple of years. Uh, you know, if we were going over a career, I think we'd have a whole different list oh, yeah. and a whole different list of challengers. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's good fun. The uh, Again, Outlaw Late Models go through the end of November, and then uh, we, we're still working on determining who's going to go next, whether it's going to be template uh, late models or whether we're going to go to the, give the dirt guys their their shot at it. Um, but we do have those three other divisions, as we mentioned earlier, that are going to keep us busy right on through the winter months. And so, uh, again, watch that, have some fun with that, and help your driver have a chance to be able to brag about being uh, Horsepower Happening's best driver. That's, uh, that's a cool little accolade to have. I guess headed into 2021 especially you know you see you, you the drivers can go on and see how much support they're getting mm. uh throughout the great lakes region and and we're seeing a lot of boats go in so a lot of people are participating having a lot of fun with it um make kind of makes you feel good when you don't have any real racing going around uh keeping the fans engaged so we try to do the best we can all right rich now it is time to move on to uh, a guy who's prop well maybe i don't know if he's earned the right to be in our next uh horsepower happenings best driver challenge for template late models which there's a little sneak peek for you but he might be in it for our sprint car one later this winter let us know who we're talking to yeah zach we uh, you know usually run into this gentleman quite a bit uh, on the dirt uh, where he runs his dirt wing sprint car uh I ran into him at Berlin Raceway, Zach, in September, and I didn't take a wrong turn, and neither did he. Uh, he's 16 years old, makes his home in Sparta, Michigan. Uh, Andrew Scheid, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thank you. First of all, uh, I know it was a weird year with uh, on the dirt and the sprint car and all that kind of stuff, but tell me how your year went uh, with that thing so far. Uh, we got to run a little bit of both this year. We got to run about eight races in the sprint car and only about four in the late model. But, uh, our sprint car season was, uh, we had a very fast race car, just, uh, got caught in a few messes and, uh, our finishes did not show how fast our race car was, but the, uh, late model stuff was a ton of fun. I think that I adapted to it pretty quickly and it was just, it was a whole lot of fun transitioning from the sprint car to the late model. Talk to me about that late model. I ran into you at Berlin and we talked a little bit. A big difference for you uh, going from the sprint car to the late model. It You kind of did a little better, a little better each week, and then you started getting the hang of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a lot to get used to. I mean, I'm used to sitting straight up and down, up on the wheel in the sprint car, opposed to being laid back and on the left side, totally different but um i think it fits my driving style a bit better and i just i I love driving the late models they're a ton of fun it's a lot of fun to kind of learn something new again you know let's talk about andrew what what is what has this road been like for you i mean when i met you and when i have talked to you I'm thinking sprint cars through and through. I'm thinking this kid's going to be somewhere, you know, with the uh, All-Stars or with the World of Outlaws or something like that. Um, when did when did this racing a late model kind of become a possibility and become something that you were interested in doing? Actually, it's been talked about for a few years probably. It just never was really put in the works until uh, this year when Cadillac West Racing was able to score. And uh, 
that I, I'm just I'm extremely blessed to even be situation that I'm in, and uh, I I don't know how I ended up simply um, being blessed and the help of Mike Blackmare and all my other sponsors. I just chip in and help us out, and yeah, I'm just I'm just blessed. Period. Now, you talked about the, the struggles that you had in the sprint car. Was that something that was nice to be able to put behind you, I guess, when, when you knew that you were going to start with a clean slate um, in the late model world? I mean, because you guys, as you said, you guys had speed in that sprint car, but you definitely had bad luck on your side all throughout the season. Was it nice to be able to forget about that oh. and, and go to the late model world and, and just start over? Honestly, it really was. I mean... I love the sprint cars a lot, but they're just, they're so on the edge to where the smallest mistake turns into a couple thousand dollars. So, I mean, it was, it was very nice to kind of get a fresh start in the same season, really, um, and work hard in these late models and kind of transition over and take a break from uh, maybe the bad luck that we had in the sprint car. And I think that we had a lot of luck on our side in this late model. We had a lot of close calls that uh, could have ended up very badly, but we were just blessed enough to get through them without a scratch. So now, Todd, you mentioned you mentioned Mike Blackmare. Zach and I, you know, we get to spend a lot of time with him in the in the summer up at Merritt and Tri City. Talk about his support for you and what that means coming from someone with his experience uh, around racing? You know, I don't know how I got lucky enough to meet a guy like him. He's just, all he means as well, and all he wants to do is help me and help our racing team out. And uh, without him, I would definitely still be back in go-karts, racing round around in the go-karts. But uh I've just been blessed enough to uh, meet Mike, and I've been blessed enough to have him help me out in my career. Yeah, and so for those who don't know, how did that kind of start for you? Um, you know, what what was that connection like? Because um, I don't know how many people realize how much Mike actually does do for you. Um, you know, I just recently kind of learned more about this. Um, so how did you guys get connected? This goes all the way back to lightning sprints, doesn't it? Uh, it actually goes back to go-karts. Okay, even further. Yeah, yeah. Billy Krupp hooked us up with Mike after a video on Facebook of me driving the go-karts, and uh, he just wanted to see what I could do in one of his lightning sprints. And during one of our test sessions in the lightning sprints, I started running faster lap times than uh, the winner of the week before. So the next day, he had me run the lightning sprints, and that's kind of that's how we got started as a team. And uh, it's kind of kind of been we've basically just been a team ever since. You know, Rich kind of kind of started this question, and I want to elaborate on it a little bit more. Um, I had the chance to talk with with you and your dad uh, throughout the sprint car season, and, uh, and and we talked a little bit about the payment side when we would talk. One of the things I think that's interesting is, um, I, like Rich said, we know Mike, and we know how. Uh, how do I want to put this uh, to be politically correct? We know how his uh, passion for things is and how he can can uh, uh, kind of lose sight of how he's expressing his passion for things. Um, 
my point being, Andrew, is that he never expected you to go out there and win every race, especially not in the late model. He just wanted you to go out there and drive and do well and and make the team look good. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, he used to be a racer himself, so he knows how the racing game is, and he knows that it's you go out and you win every week and you're just you're extremely dominant. He knows that there's always bumps in the road and that it takes a few years to adapt and get good and get to the point where you can be a dominant force. So it looks like starting in 2021, um, with any hope and prayers, we may have some semblance of a regular season starting up in April or May. Um, tell me what your schedule is going to look like and, and how many late model, super late model rides uh, you think you're going to have next year? Well, we're going to go run the uh, speed weeks down in New Smyrna in February. Um, I'm super excited for that. That's going to be an amazing learning experience. Other than that, we're going to hopefully run for rookie in the year in the JEGS pro late model tour. Um, and then we'll just run a handful of sprint car races when we're not racing or working on the late model. What is that going to look like? I mean, uh, as far as you as a driver, uh, how hard has how hard was it? Because I think you got a chance to do it maybe once or twice, Andrew, um, where you were doing some testing in the late model on like a Friday, and then you'd race the sprint car that night or the next day. Um, how hard is that going to be for you to to be competitive in both cars, or is it not going to be hard at all? Um, hopping from the sprint car to the late model is a little tougher than the late model to the sprint car. Um, kind of, I don't know. I've ran the sprint car enough to where going from the late model to the sprint car, I'm able to kind of get right back into it. I know how the sprint car is going to handle and uh, I know how to drive it. But um, I I think I'll do just fine switching back and forth. It shouldn't um the biggest thing was just kind of learning the late model this season so that we could switch back and forth in 2021. Well, it, you know, it's, it's just you Zach and I sitting here. So, so tell us the truth. Um, <laughs> and why? Uh, I think I like the late models better in all honesty. Um, I just think it fits my driving style better. Um, I'm more of a, patient laid back more methodical type of driver and to race the sprint car you know you gotta gas on brain off and i mean it, there's definitely it's definitely methodical but it's just you know when the green flag drops in a you're 100 percent just gas go for 25 laps where the late model you have 125 150 or more laps to just they laid back and take five or six laps just to pass one car. And uh, I have a spotter in the late models too. And I just, I love that. Cause maybe when you're falling off your game a little bit, you know, you're starting to get tired. You just have somebody to remind you, you know, like wake up, pick it up. You gotta, you gotta speed up a little bit, you know, or maybe you're going too hard. They can tell you to calm down, lay back, relax, get in your groove, save your tires, you know? So I guess there's just some aspects of the late model racing that I like more. You know, there's a point, too, that you just kind of made uh, that we didn't even talk about. You went from, uh, you know, running a max of maybe 50 laps a night in the sprint car 
um, to you know going in you're going to run at least 100 laps for a feature, let alone qualifying, let alone any practice time before that. How hard was that for you to get adjusted to, to know that, you know, every race is not a, <laughs> I love your phrasing on that too, brain off, gas on, um, that every race is not going to be like that. It's going to be something where you're going to have to work for it all day long. What was that like for you? Uh, you see, that's another thing that I, I like more about it. I like uh, getting practice time so that you can learn the track before you go and race or qualify. Uh, you can adapt your driving style to the track. You can adapt your setup to the track. And uh, really, it just gives you all day to kind of get in your zone and get ready for that feature race. You know, you talk about, uh, you know, like you said, it kind of funny, um, you know, gas on, brain off. But, you know, in the in, in the pavement car, and I drove, you know, I drove uh, pavement, late model sportsman and street stocks for 25 years. Um, it really is just the opposite. You cannot check your brain at the gate when you go in. When you get in that race car, um, you really do have to be thinking and be patient. And and that's got to help you become a better driver. Absolutely. I think that uh, running all this late model stuff is going to transfer over into the sprint car with uh, definitely, you know, being smoother on the throttle, smoother on the brake, smoother on the wheel. Just uh, every aspect of each series you know late model and sprint car they both intermingle in a way to where uh running both cars is definitely a huge benefit do the goals change for you now as far as what you want to be uh when you grow up quote unquote air quotes on that um but as a race car driver where where's the end goal for you uh you know what do you what do you want to do with this career that you're starting to build now i just I just want to be racing. That's all. I don't care what I'm racing. It could be go-karts. It could be NASCAR. Just whatever I'm in, as long as I'm sitting in a seat behind a steering wheel going fast, I'm happy. So I I don't really know. I guess nobody knows where we're going to be in the future. But um, we definitely just got to work hard to improve and get where we want to be. Well, Andrew, it was a pleasure to uh, chat with you tonight about what you got going on. Um, I think it's exciting um, to see you make the change and to do, you know, what I'm going to say, do so well, right? That last night there at Berlin, man, you really were, you had a chance to turn it on. Um, and, and let's talk about that, too, before we let you go. Your car owner kind of pulled the reins back on you those first three nights, didn't he? He said, you know, you're, you're going to play this game my way until you're ready to go, right? You know, and I totally respect that. He's been he's been in the uh, racing game much longer than I have, and uh, he knows what he's talking about. He knows that uh, the first few nights are kind of the most dangerous nights. That's when uh, you wreck it and get afraid, or either you don't wreck and, you know, you improve and continue to get better. So he just kind of wanted to take the safe route and start in the back, kind of ride around and uh, not press anything wanted to just take it easy and if you're faster than the dude in front of you you know pass him but just don't put the car in danger and uh don't put myself in danger so that's and uh i think i think we went the right way about that but uh it was it was definitely a lot of fun to you know let loose in that last race and just go at it so do it were you surprised that last race there remind me how did, how did you do and do you think you had a, a better car than what you actually ended up showing uh top 10 if i remember correctly 
Yeah, I finished seventh in that race. Um, I definitely could have – it probably could have been a third, fourth, or fifth. It was definitely a third, fourth, or fifth kind of car. But um, I made a couple mistakes, and I took a little too long getting around a couple – obviously, just rookie mistakes. And I had never started on the outside in a race before, so that was totally new. You know, um, it was in insane experience and um lots from just in that race and i still have a lot more to learn but it was definitely a top five car and uh if all the puzzle pieces kind of would have fit together uh probably could have been a little bit better but i'm super pleased with how it turned out Last question before I let you go. Um, you you start at Berlin. You do some testing at Berlin. And I want to get your opinion on uh, the, the opportunity you had to work with one of the greatest drivers to ever go around that racetrack, one of the most successful. Um, tell me what it was like for you to work with the guy behind the wheel, that number 47 machine. Uh, Brian Campbell helped us out quite a bit. He was at a lot of our test sessions helping us out, you know. Um, and just him being him with how much experience he he was basically able to uh, drive the car for me with his words. I know it sounds funny, but that's basically how it was. He was able to tell me every and um, just, I can't thank him enough for all the driving tips and everything done for me so far. Um, It's just awesome to be able to have from a guy like that. Well, Andrew, thanks for making some time to chat tonight, as we said. Uh, good good job with everything that you've done in, in 2020, and uh, congratulations on uh, successful final five races there at Berlin. And I tell you what, now I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what 2021 has in store for you. Um, looking forward to seeing what you do at Speed Weeks down in, uh, down in Florida coming up in February. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm excited. All right, Andrew, thanks for making time for us tonight, man. Uh, good luck if we don't talk to you down in Speed Weeks. All right, thank you very much. Well, a couple of great guys on the show tonight. We kind of had both ends of the spectrum. We had Ron Allen, who, let's be let's be honest about it, Ron Allen's probably coming toward the end of his career. Andrew Scheid has got a wide open door and a wide open lane with anything he wants to do, and man, um, I'm excited for him. Let's talk about this, too. Uh, Chase Berta won, won the uh, JEG CRA All-Stars to a Rookie of the Year in 2020. Maybe another Michigan guy can grab it in 2021 as uh, Andrew Scheid's going to look to track that thing down. Boy, he sure seems awfully interested in that pavement late model, doesn't he, Zach? Yeah, uh, absolutely. After, after talking to him, um, and he even said he likes it more. Um, you know, and it makes him work more in the car. It really does. It makes him think, like he said, you know, um, all you know, gas, all all pedal, no brains. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like that. We should, we should, he should record that and, and trademark that that statement. But that's that's kind of what it's like. He had it right on the money. He has to think more. He has to work more when he gets in that pavement late model. And um, in those four short nights that he raced, he did a great job. Absolutely. Well, uh, again, uh, check out the Horsepower Happenings Best Driver Challenge. Many of you have been participating. If you're just listening to Horsepower Happenings for the first time because you're just discovering us because of that challenge, welcome. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. We've got a whole lot of content coming up throughout the whole winter. That's the thing that's unique about us, Rich. Uh, we don't get to take a break. We, we keep you abreast of what's going on in the Great Lakes region throughout 
12 months, uh, you know, how many weeks? 52, 58, 50, a lot of weeks of the year, 309,000 days of the year. It's 2020, so it's all blurring together. Uh, but we're, we're going to keep you in tune with everything that's going on. And, uh, again, our thanks to Ron Allen, Andrew Shine for joining us tonight on Horsepower Happenings. For Rich France, for Scott Menlin, who owns Horsepower Happenings, I'm Zach Heiser. Have a great week. We'll talk next Monday, same time, same place. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.